Season 2, Episode 33. Stats don't matter. Get your pick-ins before your turkey fix-ins. Huh? 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 That's a pretty good joke, huh? And that's it. I'm not even going to say anything anymore about that. In our cups this week, it's a bourbon barrel-aged stout from Richmond, Virginia, and an IPA from Camden, Connecticut. Follow us on Twitter, at Stats Podcast, on Instagram, at Stats Don't Matter. All things sport, beer, humor. We're pretty good people. I tend to believe I would follow me if I wasn't me, <laughs> but I am me and I do follow me, so you get the deal. Find Stats That Matter wherever you get your podcast: Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Tim, let's get into the show. Kick off this, this, this night where everyone is probably going out to the bar and telling stories to people they grew up in high school and college with about what they're actually doing now, which are gross over-exaggerations. Yeah. They're, they're home for the holidays. Tell us yeah. what you're drinking. Uh, so funny enough, I never bought into the let's go out Wednesday night before Thanksgiving because I never wanted to be hung over before <laughs> or on Thanksgiving. So uh, it was always a, it was always sort of a weird ritual to me, but never I never did it. Um, anyway, I'm drinking. It's called Ho Ho Hope for the Holidays. It's an IPA from uh, a brewery called Counterweight. Uh, it's from here in Connecticut. It is a local beer. Um. It is one of my favorite locals, uh, but the nice part about this one is that every year, part of the, the proceeds from the sales go to a different foundation every single year. This one, uh, it's Cherish the Children's Foundation, um, one that kind of helps provide kids with things they need that can't be met through like traditional methods. So um, pretty good little, you know, drink a beer, give back a little bit. Uh, it's a 6.4 IPA. This one's dry hopped with uh, Columbus, Mosaic, and Simcoe. Gives a little bit of a, they describe it as having a little bit of a grapefruit, stone fruit, and a little bit of pine in it. So let's see. We've got the very special glass out today for this one. We've got the Sandlot glass. Oh, yeah. Have Killing you seen me Oh, yeah. Let's check that out. That's pretty dope. I posted this uh, on my Instagram at, uh, at Timmy Cronin. Um, and the actor who played Squints actually liked it, and we chatted for a little bit. <laughs> and I told him if he ever wants to come on and talk sports, uh, he's more than welcome. To which she replied with a little heart and thumbs up emoji. And then I see he now professionally sells uh, his own line of marijuana. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's what we gotta do. Maybe we gotta have a competitive smoking episode and have him on. <laughs> Uh, we'll do a what's in our bowl episode. Jesus, <laughs> we're not there yet. No, no, we're no, not there. No, for no, we're not. no, 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 not at okay. all. Just checking. Um, all right, <clears throat> it was a bad pour. We're off the bat. It actually smells a little bit like weed, which is funny. A little weed, a little grapefruity. Oh, not the grapefruit. Hmm. A lot of grapefruit in that bish. Um, a lot, a lot of grapefruit. And if you guys are following along, not my favorite flavor. Um, <laughs> Bummer. No, no, no. But it's not. It, it something comes in and like sweetens it up almost immediately after, and then it has a little sort of West Coast piney sort of West Coast IPA sort of finish to it. So. I don't, I don't dislike it as much as like the first sip. This is why we take a thousand sips here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the first sip, 
boom, like instant grapefruit. Maybe that's because I read it and was sort of looking for it. Um, don't get me wrong. It has a lot of that. It kind of sweetens up for a second, and then it has that pine finish. So um, this is this is like an IPA if you're a West Coast IPA fan and you want to kind of find a balance of the two. This is right up your alley. It's a little bit sweeter. You get a little bit more of that fruity sort of sweet flavor, but the bitterness of the grapefruit, and they hit it with the pine on the end, like right on the nose. That is almost exactly what I get when I drink this. Um, if if you like West Coast beers and looking for something a little sweeter, but kind of staying in that same vein, or uh, you're a New England fan, a New England IPA fan, trying to kind of get a little bit more of the, the West Coast style sort of infused in it, this is it. Not not my favorite from them. Um, not bad. I mean, not not enough to like not finish the four pack. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna give this one like a uh, like a, a three six. Mm. Three, I six. mean, yeah. it's a five point zero in our hearts because the the proceeds. Yeah, I didn't charity. wanna. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I'm, I'm I good would, with it. I, I mean, if I if I were out in a bar. And I knew the kind of backstory of the beer. I would buy it anyway, just for the beer. I mean, just yeah. for the, just for sort of what they do with it. And again, it's not. We've gotten ourselves to the point. We've had so many like solid beards on here that anytime I I give something below a four, I feel like an asshole. Mm. Well, you are. <laughs> so I was really like, I have to justify. It's it's not a bad beer. It's a decent beer. Personally, not my favorite. Uh, but it's perfectly drinkable. It is one that if I went and this is all they had, I wouldn't be disappointed by it. Just not my favorite. A little better than middle of the road, uh, but, you know, not in that upper echelon, which some of the beers actually at Crucial Mass is one of those. That's a great one if you can find it. Uh, that one's pretty widely distributed. And then some of the ones that are brewery only. But, yeah, I'm right with it. Three, six. Three, six. Okay. Uh, so last week I spoke about um... – the gingerbread stout, right at Christmas pancakes, uh, and I was talking about the gingerbread stout uh, from Hardywood, Kentucky Christmas Morning, which is uh, a milk stout that's aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. It's got ginger, vanilla, honey, cinnamon, and coffee. Only comes out like once a year. Usually, it's around the same time that uh, you know Bourbon County comes out. I'm just in the grocery store the other day, and I just see it on the shelf. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even look at the price. I just grabbed a four pack, and I just walked away very quietly. You know, because if you look at T-Rex in the mouth, like, you know, it, it sees movements. It's going to eat you. I was looking around. No one else noticed. I said, all right, cool. Put it in the cart. Just walked away. Very excited. I've not had a chance to actually try one of these ever because usually it gets sold out. And when I used to work at a beer store, of course, they're for the customers, not us. They didn't last long enough for the end of my shift. So um, having one of their barrel-aged uh, beers, you know, just on the last episode, I'm sure this is going to be just great. But. Um, there is a ton of ginger, bourbon, and coffee. Like, like you can almost smell coffee grinds, right? Right when you just first get a, a big whiff of it. Mm. It smells really good. Ton of coffee. Absolute ton of coffee. Uh, the ginger is definitely there. I don't really get a lot of the honey. Um, but this is really good. Mm. And now... I'm beginning to taste just a little bit of the bourbon. Like, you know, it's like a little bourbony chocolate milk on the back end. <clears throat> really good. Does it say what it's uh what it's aged in? Uh, like, let's see. No, it just says 
Kentucky bourbon barrels. That could be anything. That could be like yeah. military special bourbon barrels, or it could be like, you know, basil agents. We don't fucking know. Yeah. That's actually, hmm. that's actually, I don't, how do, I hate it when this happens, man. What's that? It's a really good beer. Hmm. But I have no frame of reference as far as like bourbon barrel, like aged, like beers, because I just don't drink enough of them. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's you. You see a little bit why now I put my uh, my whiskey on a bigger scale. Yeah, because there's a lot of different nuances between between the flavors. So it's incredible. Like I've I've not had a beer that is a bourbon barrel that's 11.6 percent that is as smooth as this. Like you you literally smell the coffee grounds and you taste a little bit of the bitterness, but it's so smooth. I expected mm. there to be more bite. And I like that there's not. But for 11.6, mm. it's going to get me into trouble. So um, I just don't have a frame of reference. So I feel like I got to gotta go 4-2 because it, it okay. is really, really good. If, I had, to, if right. I had to compare it against other beers. But, I mean, I've, I've had some incredible uh, bourbon barrel-aged beers. Like, um, oh, Jesus, what's the one from Bissell Brothers? Uh, Angels with Filthy Souls, for example. That's one of my favorite bourbon barrel-aged uh, beers okay. ever. Uh, and CBS is up there, too. Uh, CBS and and Angels of Philly Souls, I would give a five to. This this is this is along that, but I don't. It's missing a bit of the of the of the booze bite, and I would I would think if you sat in a bourbon barrel for a year, you get something. So there's there's like a there's a process to that that determines which of the two flavors you get out of that. That's why I was asking uh, what barrel it came from because um, young whiskeys. Like if it was in something that wasn't aged for very long, let's say like five years, if you age in that barrel, you're going to get more of the alcohol flavor to it versus if you, uh, sorry, it's the opposite. If it's a, if it was a younger whiskey, you would get more of the like wood notes to it and less of the bourbon. But if it's something that was aged for a long time, like let's say eight to 12 years, uh, what you end up getting is a lot more of the the bourbon flavor out of it because it's saturated the barrel so much that that's the predominant flavor. Mm. Whereas if it was a younger whiskey, uh, you end up getting more like wood Oak or whatever it is that they ended up aging it in sometimes a little bit more of the, the smoky flavor, depending on if it's like a toasted barrel or something like that. So that actually plays a pretty, uh, a pretty big role in it. So, um, it's kind of a gauge for you guys out there trying to dip your toes into the, the barrel aged, if you want something uh, to taste less bourbony, but more like that sort of wooden oak, sometimes sweet flavor. Um, that's probably and- what I would, I would, I would generate it as. There's so much bitterness in here that's like the, the chocolate and then the, um, the cold brew coffee that like I, the honey can't mask all of that. So it has to be more. What's, what was the name more, of it again? What was the name of it? Uh, Kentucky Christmas Morning. Kentucky. You wanna know how boss this shit is? There's a fucking trademark on Kentucky Christmas morning. This beer is fucking famous that they trademarked that shit. Haywood Park Craft Brewery, let's see. Man. Only fifty-five IBUs too. Alright, let's see. Aging through months of aging in Kentucky bourbon barrels, but it doesn't say what barrel. Hmm. Interesting. 
Uh, anywho, that's a good little uh, a good little benchmark for anybody who's looking to uh, to get in. Find something that's not aged 10, 15, 20 years, uh, and you'll get a lot of uh, uh, more of that oaky, woody sort of barrel flavor. Uh, if you want something to taste more like booze, get something that's been aged for a long time. I prefer, I mean, I have no preference. I'll go either way. Angry, Ch- um, Angry Chair, if you like stouts, Angry Chair does a really good barrel aging program for a lot of their stuff. Um, Barreled Souls out of Mass- uh, out of Maine does mm-hmm. it as well. Yeah. We're in the process of picking the barrels we're going to age ours in. And it's come down to Blanton's Willet and a couple others. You know that the, the Goose Island uh, variant this year for Bourbon County is Blanton's. Hmm. I'm excited for that. I'm excited uh, for that. So I, I use the Untapped app, right? And I just uh, want to go check it in, see if I can get any more information. Yeah, there, there you go. The Blanton's. Um, I had this beer December 14th, 2020. Nice. And I gave it a 4.4. It was in a bigger bottle. I don't know if it has anything to do with it. Maybe it was the first time I had it. And now I'm just not wiser anymore, but. Jesus, mm. I hate that. Not only do I not get to check in on Untapped, but I had this beer before, and now I'm giving a lesser score, which actually makes sense because I, I said it didn't didn't really quite live up. Okay, let, that's what's in our cups this week. Let's get to this. We got a lot of cooking, a lot of cleaning to do, get ready for the big holiday tomorrow and the triple header, the football game. So let's recap last, last week's games, Tim. Start us off with Thursday Night Football. Whew, had a little bit of a rebound week. I'll take it. Um, yep. Still took some tough losses. Um, you know, a couple of these losses were were games that I said, uh, you know, I don't feel comfortable with this pick. It could go either way. And, you know, unfortunately, that's what happened in some of those Just cases. Just fucking put but, the disclaimer out in every episode. Oh, I don't really feel comfortable with these picks. I, I mean, it is <laughs> what it is. Uh, anyway, starting off with the uh, Patriots and the Falcons. Uh, you know, I pretty much saw this one coming. The Patriots have been playing incredibly well, but like, whoa. I am not quite sure, but are we seeing a Belichick defense like the ones from years past, like subtly and kind of, I guess not so subtly, but quickly becoming what we come to expect from a Patriots defense because they played uh, incredibly well. Like this was a defensive game, in my opinion. Um, Mac Jones, he did play pretty well. Um, you know, I'm not buying into all of the comparisons between, you know, Tom Brady's first year and Matt Jones. They're scary close, which is yeah. people uh, need to relax though. Yeah, you gotta relax. He hasn't won one <laughs> Lombardi yet, and everyone's like, oh, is this is this Belichick doing his Is this the second coming? No. Um, although that does make the conversation interesting if he does turn out to be a Brady esque style quarterback. Like, is it the development process for Belichick and the Patriots that churned out Brady? But um I, I mean, he he played he played very well. Uh, the team seems to be kind of gelling on both sides of the ball now. They were injury plagued for the first uh, I don't know six seven weeks where they had six of their starters who are on IR or or were just out every single week, and a lot of those guys have come back in, and now they're playing very very well. Everyone seems to be on the same page. And it's a team that's swinging a lot of momentum. Mac Jones playing a little bit better than what we would expect. If that defense can continue to operate the way that it's doing, this team is a team that can be pretty scary. You had said earlier in the in the season, like they might fuck around and get a wild card. And I said, they might fuck around and like make it. And here they are sitting at the top of their division. So this is, I mean, 
this is it's it's quickly becoming you know a a vintage patriots team a team that we were used to seeing now there's still some growth there's still some some stuff that needs to be done but jones is looking incredibly sharp and he's taking care of the ball i i i think we are still yet to see the best football from the patriots which, which is yeah. kind of scary yes i agree yeah all right saints eagles <clears throat> jesus are the eagles good Jalen <laughs> hurts all that smack talk about whether you're going to be the quarterback of the future he heard it and I hope what he's done over the past couple of games puts that to rest or gets a team who's going to appreciate him salivating about his potential to trade for him. Uh, also, Darius Slay looks like to be one of the biggest offseason acquisitions for the Eagles. 51-yard pick six in this game, his third, third of the season. They don't call him big play Slay for nothing. The best play of the day for Trevor Simeon, 18-yard touchdown strike to Adam Troutman, who you don't know. You're not starting him in fantasy unless you play in a 32-team league on a broken play through traffic, in the end zone. Don't let this 49-29 score fool you because the Saints were out of this game pretty much in the beginning of the fourth quarter, no matter the 22 points they put up. It was just as if the Eagles were like, please, score all the points you want. Take all the time off the clock because Jalen Hurts had three rushing touchdowns. He just didn't care. They could not be stopped that day. This is an Eagles team that is going to surprise a lot of people. And I'm I'm quite frankly a little irritated that there's been so much character defamation about Jalen Hurts and whether he's the quarterback of the future in Philly because he looks like he's doing just fucking fine. Didn't he set some kind of record also for having uh yeah, yeah, two hundred no he had hundred and forty hundred and forty seven yards in the air and then sixty nine rushing yards and three touchdowns. There was some sort yeah. of record that was that was going on there, but score economy. Um, yeah. All right, <clears throat> Dolphins versus the Jets. Uh, this is one of those that uh, you know I've been the, the, the Jets and, and some of these terrible teams are going to squeak out a couple wins at some point. I thought the Dolphins might have been an opportunity, but Tua continues to make a, a good case for himself since week five or six when people were asking publicly if it was time to bench him and maybe consider. Moving on, he's made uh, quite a bit of a turn. They've rattled off three straight wins uh, with a 27 of 33 and 273-yard performance. I mean, he's he's kind of turning the corner, I think, which we're seeing a lot from some of these young guys. Um, you might be kind of seeing him get into the groove, maybe get on the same page as, as some of his receiving core. Uh, he's making pretty good decisions. He's taking care of the ball. If he can continue to do that, he will find some consistent su- success, I think. Um, Flacco though the old man looked <laughs> like the Jets' best uh, option this season, and I hope they stick with him for at least a little bit. He tossed for two touchdowns, two hundred ninety-one yards, and you know it's always fun to see some of the old guys come in and and I say old, but you know relatively speaking, compared to all the first-year starters, it's great to see him come in and and have some success. Uh, unfortunately, it's the Jets, so it's not like shoe polish on a piece of shit. At the end of the day, it's still a piece of shit. So, uh, I, I hope, I hope he gets out. Gets okay. Uh, but maybe this is the spark that they need. There's still, uh, there's still five weeks left. You know, there, I, I think at this point there's, there's no hope there. I think they're out of any playoff contention, but you never know. You could have a couple teams just completely tank and, and maybe they squeak into that, that final wild card position. But for now, at least, uh, you know, 
it, it's it's good to see some success for Flacco. I'm so glad that you're you're thankful for old men like uh, Joe Flacco. Give us a a chance to keep talking about sports and the Sassamander podcast. All right. Panthers football team. I call this the Cam Newton, Ron Rivera revenge game, and I gave it to the Panthers. But look, the Washington football team is good, y'all. Except for the fact that they let Cam score three TDs. Christian McCaffrey had 119 scrimmage yards, and the most unbelievable, not down by contact, where he went ass over tea kettle, put his hand down, and his wrist and his hand Supported his body weight enough for his feet to touch the ground after going ass over tea kettle. And then he just got up and kept running. Most people would have broken many bones in their body, not, not CMC. Yeah. And for you know, everyone saying a guy is like glass, he was not like glass that day. Uh, Taylor Heineke, though, played nearly perfect, completed 16 of 22 passes, three touchdowns, no picks, 206 yards for 141 QBR. Came out of like 121 QBR. The Carolina defense couldn't keep up. And they got three sacks, which is kind of insane. But former Panthers kicker Joey Sly kept pushing the game just out of reach for the Washington football team. And that's how it ended. I mean, the stadium was so loud. Cam's reinsertion into the field and how they went nuts is just what this team needed. I mean, they just kind of came up a little short. Going forward, they're going to need to win games, obviously. But Terry McLaurin, scared Terry. Seven targets, five receptions, bucko three, plus a beautiful touchdown catch in traffic in the end zone. A very nice revenge game for Riverboat Ron Rivera. Washington football team 27, Carolina 21. I got the Colts-Bills game. Uh, I got this one wrong because I kept, you know, I have a lot of faith in the Bills. I can't say I called the Colts turnaround because I didn't pick them this game, which means I didn't have all the confidence. But I might take a little credit for willing this team into their winning position. I've talked all season about, you know, feeling bad for Carson Wentz because he's been playing well. They just haven't found ways to win games. Uh, it seems to have sort of figured it out. Um, in 11 games, they've scored less than 23 points in only two of them. Uh, after their three-game losing streak at the beginning of the season when we were all down on, on the Colts and we were down on Wentz because he was banged up and out again, they've won six of eight, and the two losses were both overtime losses. So. This Colts team, I think, is a much better team than what, you know, I don't think enough people are paying attention to what they're doing. Their two losses came from Baltimore uh, during Baltimore surge and the Titans, who have kind of surprised a lot of teams. This is a team that's been playing above their record quite a bit. They were off to a tough start, but now that they're they're all there, everyone's, you know, functional and, and healthy and working together. I mean, everyone's played by the injury bug, but they're doing a lot of good things, and I feel like they're not getting enough credit or they're not being talked about enough. The Bills, though, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, this was their division to take. Everyone thought with the struggles of the Patriots last year, coming into the season with a rookie quarterback, the slow start that they had, this was the Bills to run away with, and now they're just giving it away. Uh, they blew out the dog shit Jets. <laughs> last week, <laughs> uh, last week, but the game before that against the Jaguars and this week against the Colts, they combined for a total of 21 points. So three losses in the last five games, they're they're sliding, and I'm worried that they're going to continue to slide to the point where uh, coming back from that is going to be tough. I mean, they have all the pieces. They've got the right guy uh, behind the center. So I don't, I don't know if this is a play-calling situation, a coaching situation, but something there. 
just isn't meshing. Uh, and it'll be, it's, it's already, I think, more of a disappointing season than what we were expecting. I hope they find a way to turn it around because if they quietly sort of fall out, kind of like the Giants are this season, then, I mean, I don't think there's any hope for them for, for any point in the future because if there was a prime situation for them to come in and take advantage of, yeah, this was this the season. If it, was, yep. if it wasn't last season, it was definitely this season, and they're letting it slip away. Pretty crazy. Um, Tim, you know, at Thanksgiving, everyone, or, or Day of Thanks, whatever you refer to it as, people will say, what are you thankful for? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm fucking thankful for? I'm fucking thankful that the Seattle Seahawks played the Indianapolis Colts like in week two or week one <laughs> of the season where they didn't fucking understand what Jonathan Taylor was because <laughs> they, 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 they had the fucking brakes blown off of them by this team, the way that they're humming along right now. So I'm fucking thankful that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing <laughs> being yeah. part of the season. Taylor is a machine right now. Yeah, but Girl. answer the question, Tim. What are you thankful for? Besides me, you, and the podcast. Though. You, yeah. this yeah, yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, the gift that keeps on giving with my shit. Health, health, wealth, uh, good beers. Uh, everybody who downloads, we have a, we have a very loyal following. We, we, we do pay attention to everything that kind of goes on throughout the, uh, our podcast seasons. Um, we probably don't take enough time off. We record literally every week. And we call it seasons. It's been just literally one long, one long season. Uh, but we see we have a consistent number of folks who tune in, listen, and download every single week. And for you guys, I love you. I'm thankful. This is just a passion project for Sam and I. We get zero monetary value out of any of this. Um, but it's something we both like doing despite having full-time jobs and full-time life outside of this. Um, the fact that enough of you guys tune in, I feel passionate about showing up and, and doing it week in and week out. So I'm thankful, and I know it sounds cheesy for you guys, my family, my health, Sam, your family, uh, and then all of our uh, all of our, our valued and appreciated listeners. And I would just go guys. ahead and say gracias. <laughs> same thing, same thing. Just absolutely uh, – Astounded that people are still listening and supporting us and the Staffs Matter podcast. So thanks to everyone and, and my family and, and, of course, my wife for supporting this as well. Uh, and then you guys for continuing to download this stuff. Listen to Tim and I give the most trash takes on beer and sports. All right. Lions-Browns. I thought the Lions were going to win here, upset City, and take this one by a field goal. The Lions lost this game by a field goal. Jared Goff didn't play. Tim Boyle did. And you don't know who he is. Uh, DeAndre Swift was the only bright spot for this team to get anything going. At 57-yard touchdown scamper, quite frankly, DeAndre Swift should have been throwing the ball as well as running the ball and catching the ball. Maybe they would have, you know, won the game. The Lions didn't score any points until the third quarter when they were down 13. But the Lions shut out the Browns in the second half. Mayfield threw two picks, played like shit. His words, not mine, but yeah. This game really had all the trappings of an upset. It says a lot about what the Browns need to do outside of giving Nick Chubb every offensive touch because the team almost lost the Lions without their starting quarterback. The kicker, Chase McLaughlin, missed a pat and his only field goal attempt of the day. So there was no room for error in them. This is kind of like a burn the film kind of game because it was bad. <laughs> uh, the Lions. You know what's crazy to me is people are already starting to say, like, maybe it's time to move on from. Uh, Baker Mayfield, like that's where we're at 
in in football now where well, football fans are fickle bitches what can i say i know and supposedly so is the media and uh you know front offices and and, and teams you have you have like a two-year window like it's he literally turned that franchise around in that first year and the man is playing with like a thousand injuries right now he is and a fractured shoulder so banged up and instead of being like oh you know good for you they're like mm, maybe it's time to move on he's not that guy lots of disrespect going on right now in cleveland um speaking of disrespect uh that's what the 49ers did to the jaguars and that's what the jaguars continue to do um hypothetically speaking even though it's trevor lawrence's first season how short of a leash is he on? Because he was supposed to be like the next coming of Christ for the football league. And he has done jack shit this entire season. Not one thing I could take away as a positive and be like, well, that's something to build on. It's bad. It's really bad. So how short of a leash do you have him on? They're two and eight right now. I mean, Seattle's three and seven. <laughs> well, they were, without their, they were without their starting quarterback for a large portion of that. So yeah, but uh, we we all put this um, we all put this huge huge weight on on a quarterback when they get drafted in the first round, especially number one overall. That like right. they're just going to make the jump to the next the next level. And it's just it's not the case. Like you really do have to be a transcendental talent, not just the talent that all the scouts fucking love because they you played on a great power team. You know what I mean? Like. Right. Like Joe Burrow had a lot of struggles, but now look at what Joe Burrow's doing this year. Like it takes a year or so. Like you really got to get your feet underneath you. You can't just come yeah. in and just be like, "Yeah, I'm good." That's, like when Justin Fields said this summer, "Well, oh, the game's not even not even faster at all. It's actually slow." And then just proceeded to suck it up for the next like six weeks. Like this is the NFL, son. This is the one percent of the one percent of the one percent that he made it to college. Like don't yeah. don't don't try me. You know what I mean? Like just just realize that. You should get into the league, and if you're a number one pick, you have to be working harder than absolutely everyone. And well, well, every we, time you well, lose, it's going to be bad. Yeah, I think I think what we need to do is we need to see people like go through the developmental period, like let them sit, let them watch, let them be mentored. Not let's rush our shiny new toy in because what that does to their confidence and their like their their mental fortitude is just brutal. Like you know. How many quarterbacks came in and sat behind? Rodgers did it. Manny mm-hmm. did it. Mm-hmm. Brady did it. All of the quarterbacks we talk about in terms of like greatness sat behind and watched and came in when they had their opportunity and then took over and just didn't look back. That's not happening anymore. It's like, okay, we need to win Super Bowls today, so let's just draft someone and start them. In the last four games, including this weekend, this is the amount of points that they've scored. Seven. Nine. 17 and 10. Those games came against the the Seahawks, the Bills, the Colts, and the Niners. Before that, the highest point at any time that they scored was 23 against the Dolphins. Uh so it's just I don't know, I don't know. I mean their defense is giving up a lot of points, so that's a problem, but if your offense can't stay on the field, you're asking an awful lot of your team to go out there and stop everybody, but I think the Niners are starting to turn things around. Uh, back-to-back wins off the heels of a of a big loss to Arizona. The game plan, just continue to give the ball to Debo Samuel. He's been a machine. A wide receiver-led team. Uh, 
he's leading the team in total yards um, on the ground in this game. So a wide receiver led in rushing yards this weekend. So he had 79 yards. He's a fantasy gem if you grab him because he's going to get you points no matter what. One week it's on the ground. One week it's, you know, in receiving yards and touchdowns. Uh, he had one breakout for 25 yards. The guy is just a machine. Uh, it tends to kind of slow down Jimmy G's, you know, output in terms of fantasy points and yardage. So you always wonder like, oh, okay, what's going on here? We've talked a lot about teams who have won with quarterbacks who have put out pretty minimal yardage, 176 yards. But he threw two touchdowns, uh, getting the job done. Um he set a franchise record for a wide receiver in terms of, of rushing yards. Whenever you get a guy like that in, and now you have to consider him as both a running back and a receiver, it's going to kind of change the dynamic of teams' approach like going forward. So the more they do that, I think the more success we're going to have and the more we're going to see uh, not only them in the win column, but we'll see them or we'll see him mentioned more and more because you start lining up against him to prevent against the run, he's just going to go wide out and run a post and, and score on you. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, he's continuing to do what he can to help the team move forward. He only had, uh, I mean, there were only three touchdowns on the season so far for him, but he's racking up a ton of yards. He's, uh, I don't want to say he's a utility player, but he's someone who helps move the chains, even though he's not, you know, hitting pay dirt, racking up all the points. Uh, he's still a very important part of the team. Um, but I think the Niners, if they kind of continue on, Jimmy G is playing with a little fire. I think he heard a lot of the grumblings on like, is it time to move on from, there's been a lot of talk about moving on from every quarterback this season, uh, you know, say for like five or six teams. He was one of those that, you know, they tested it. They tried it and thought, you know, there's going to be a quarterback controversy when he came in. He's been, he's been getting it done. But um, a lot of that is on the back of, of, of Debo. I'll let you say it. I know you're dying to go ahead. Debo. <laughs> um, hey, but look at me. That's hmm. my football. Did, uh Jaguars need to chain? figure some Did you see the chain that he wore? No, uh, no. No, no, it's, I it's didn't a, see it. It's a massive chain of his helmet. It's incredible. It's so big. It's like it's obnoxious. It's bigger than the the University of Miami's uh turnover chain. It's 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 incredible. awesome. It's, it's probably my yearly salary. Um <laughs> but anyway, Jaguars they got some shit to figure out. Uh, I don't quite understand where they're struggling right now. Uh, I think they need to look on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think this is all just offense. Yeah, the offense is struggling to score. Defense is continuing to give up a lot of points. Came in and came out. Again, some of it has to do with your offense's ability not to stay on the field. Like if you if you can't be on the field, then then you're in trouble. But Jacksonville is 31st in average points per game at 15.9. And they're 25th in points allowed. Like they may have a turnaround game or not a turnaround game, but they may have one of those games that helps build momentum going into Atlanta this week. Talk about that a little more later because uh, unfortunately for Matt Ryan, their statistics are uh, unfortunately similar. So, mm -hmm. yeah. All right, yeah, Texas yeah. Titans. I, I did the most cringeworthy. It always happens. But I did this cringeworthy shit. I said, Titans, what is your profession? Football. Winning football game. The fuck it is. 
come on. What? I, I said the Titans don't seem to care. I made a 300 joke about them. And I was assuming that when I said they don't seem to care, it was about selecting a starting running back, not laying an egg against an inferior team like the Houston Texans. Because that's exactly what happened. The Titans have lost to the Jets and the goddamn Texans. The goddamn Texans. Yeah. While beating yep. the Bills, Chiefs, Vikings, Seattle. Like, they could be 10 and 1 right now in a virtual lock for the playoffs, their division crown, and a first round bye. But no. They decided to wait until 229 in the third quarter to score any points. Tyrod Taylor didn't throw any TDs. You know why? Because he ran for two of them. And Kaimi Fairbunch, three field goals, which is going to be a trend in his next picks, by the way, just kept the game out of reach. A Dontrell Hilliard fumble in the end zone that was recovered by Anthony Furtzer didn't even make the game closer than the 22-13 final score. The Texans won. The goddamn Texans won. Yeah. What in the world is going on here? Tim, I was laughing at you for getting all these picks wrong. This is, this we are. is revenge. This is karma. Karma's a bitch. I had to turn around with the late games, but we were 2-2 two and two for almost we the entire Sunday. <laughs> I... I you got to cut him a little slack, though. They're nope. without the None. best nope. running back in all of football, and Derrick Henry. It's and now they're playing with backups. It's like playing with your backup quarterback. Like no. it's just not nope. the same. Not nope. the same. Don't agree. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Packers Vikings, a quarterback shootout was the last thing that I really expected from this game going into it. Uh, I've said uh, Cousins has been playing pretty well. Uh, but I didn't think that these teams are really going to match up all that well. I know Rodgers is coming off COVID, and I know there's been talk about his his foot injury and whatnot, but I still thought it was going to be enough. They were going to pull it out. It might be a close game. Um, that man was out there looking like the Rodgers of old, uh, despite the toe injury, which he said is supposedly worse than turf toe, which turf toe sounds very silly. Is so painful. If you've ever walked through your house in the middle of the night and like kicked a piece of furniture <laughs> and that pain you feel for the next two weeks every time you walk around, <sighs> turf toe is like that, but worse. It's usually when your toe like comes down and like smashes against the t- like the, the actual turf, like the, the crown of your toe, or sometimes if it gets stepped on, but he got stepped on in like the first half of the game and then he went out and just played his balls off. Um, his QBR rating on the day was 148.4. Uh, he had four touchdowns, zero, zero turnovers. Uh, I mean, it was a good outing. It was a great outing for Cousins and the Vikings too, but they just kept finding ways to keep themselves in the game. It just at the end of it wasn't enough. A lot of it had to do with Justin Jefferson, who is arguably the best wide receiver in all of football. That man gets better and better and better every week i know in every single uh league i'm in at the beginning of the season like his rate of like acquisition was like 99 percent or something like that basically he was drafted in every single league that i was in uh he will forever be drafted in every single league that that he will be in going forward because week in week out he finds ways to get better and better and better um the Vikings, they're finding success relying on some of the best players, and they've been going to those guys, and they keep putting big plays together. And it is amounting to a lot of points. Seven games so far, they're 24 or more points per game. Uh, so 
the Vikings are a team that are going to fuck around and find a lot of success as time goes on, as the injury bug starts creeping its way into a lot of these teams that are having some success. So Vikings, not a team I would really write off going forward. It's going to make some of these picks as we move on a little bit more uh, challenging. Yes, indeed. All right, Ravens-Bears. I said, I think the Ravens win, but it's going to be too close. And the Ravens won this game 16-13. to Lamar Jackson didn't play due to a stomach illness. Justin Fields ended up getting hurt. Andy Dalton was there to come in and play relief for the Bears. It wasn't enough. Tyler Hundley wasn't exactly scaring folks on the other side of the ball. But the Bears' best player was Darnell Mooney. 16 targets, 5 receptions for a buck 21 yards and a touchdown. While the Ravens have this multi-Swiss Army personnel kind of guy, uh, maybe you've heard of him. His name is Justin Tucker. He's like one of the best kickers in the modern NFL era outside of like Adam Vinatieri. Uh, he, he's really good at kicking football. And he made three field goals that kept the Ravens alive and then lifted them up over the, the other team. And that was it. That was murder she wrote. Cairo Santos for the Bears only made one pat, missed the field goal. This game could have gone bananas if he had made that and they had gone to overtime. But alas, you just got to be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This year. Bengals. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> collecting myself for this one because this one uh this one stings a little bit. Um Bengals versus Raiders. Uh Raiders have now fallen to five and five on the season. Um to me, that's one of the bigger surprises. I know I talked a lot about off the field drama, how that might impact the team, and every time I picked against them thinking that was gonna be a problem, they won, so I stopped. Because they were playing great football, but I can't quite wrap my head around what's been going on as of late. Like, uh, the weeks I thought they would do poorly, they came in and dominated, and then suddenly they looked exactly like what we would expect the Raiders team to look like. Perfectly mediocre. They are 5-5. and They are 500. That's the definition of perfectly mediocre. Um, I don't know if I agree with a lot of the the calls some of the fans and the media are saying, and they're starting to talk about, benching car moving on from car because when he was doing well everyone including myself was surprised at how well car was doing but he looked phenomenal like he looked great he lost his star receiver or well sorry not his star he lost one of his up-and-coming star receivers he lost his head coach things are kind of a little bit crazy in las vegas but it's still Weird. People seem to have a very short-term memory. We were originally talking about him as maybe an MVP candidate, and now we're like, let's bench him. Like, pump the brakes a little bit. Let them get to their turmoil. Let him move on a little bit. Um, I think a lot of these losses that come down to fourth-quarter play and being too tentative in some pretty big moments, they're not taking a lot of risks. They're being a little bit predictable. Uh, and the teams they're putting up, I mean, uh, they're they're being predictable up against the teams that they're going against. And the teams we, we've talked about, it, it's a mimic league. Everyone is studying film and they're being super conservative. Um, I think it's time to maybe shake it up a little bit, play a little Wild West football. Let them just kind of sling it around a little bit and see what happens. Take some risks. They're not doing any of that. They're coming out and you know exactly what they're going to do. You just have to try and stop it. And football, I mean, the, the teams that they're going up against are putting themselves in the position to prevent those predictable plays. Uh, Joe Mixon, though, had himself a day, 123 yards. On the other side, Waller continues to try and help carry the team. He had 116 yards. He had seven reception. He is clearly Carr's favorite receiver. Um, they just need to 
to to string the rest of it together uh, as they're quickly starting to approach that like must win territory, right? There's a lot of football left to play. We got six weeks. There's a lot of up and downs that are going to happen, but they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. Uh, they're a great football team when they're playing well. I can't, I can't really put my finger on what it is that they're not doing correctly now, but something is, something has gone awry for sure. I'll tell you what's gone awry. <clears throat> Some of these picks here. I had a chance to pull away from the pack and I did not because I picked my heart. Cardinal Seahawks. Look, as the athletic Seattle's Michael Sean Dugar, who, if you've never read any of his stuff, absolutely at Mike Dugar on Twitter. Fantastic, fantastic journalist. Arizona was in control of this game just about the entire time. Don't let the final score fool you. Uh, in typical Seahawks fashion, there was a, a slow start, and they got beat down by opposing tight ends. I started Zach Ertz in fantasy against the Seahawks this week. Why? Because tight ends always eat against the Seahawks. What happened? Well, Tim, he scored 28 fantasy points this week. Pretty fucking devastating. Uh, but that's what happens. This was a 16-6 game in the fourth quarter. Should have been way out of hand. Matt Prater decided not being an NFL kicker today. Not an a- not really an athlete. Moments too big for me. Shout out to Mr. Mr. Geo 30, Coach 30. Uh, he just missed a ton of kicks. Russ found Tyler Lockett for a field flipper, which they've been trying to make happen all season. They finally got one. DJ Dallas, rushing touchdown. Made his game 16-13. Oh, my God. We have life. This is going to happen. Nope. Punt after punt after punt. The Seahawks just beleaguered to be submitted to a Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins-less team that was led by Colt fucking McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) Give up yards. Sorry, you got your ass kicked. Sorry, they give a completions to anyone, including your mother. Zach Ertz has two touchdowns. Rondale, this is the part. This, my my I, mom I, did. Yeah. My mom did run a good post route. <sighs> Rondale Moore. This is a stat that don't fucking matter. But I'm I'm about to get on my bullshit here, Tim, and I'm really fucking mad. And I hope the fucking someone hears this and feels as bad as I do about this. Rondale fucking Moore. Eleven targets. How many receptions did he have, Tim? Eleven. He had eleven. Fucking perfect. <laughs> All right, I'm back. All right, all right. Look, this game ended 23-13, all right? Russ, mm-hmm. no picks this time. That's uh, a moral Ooh, victory, I guess, okay. as the kids say. Yeah, There are no moral um, victories in, uh, in in football, remember? Not when you're at fucking 3-17, and 17, Tim. No, of course not. Looks like more of the rust is knocking off, if you will. It just wasn't enough this time. But, man, let's move on. 3-7. That is... Oof. You know what you should have done this year? You should have done the, the Patriots, Seahawks, who's going to win more game bets. Because <laughs> you'd have got a fucking jersey fresh out of that. That's for sure. Dude, I have a, I have like a $120 jersey that's just sitting on the floor in my bedroom right now. I couldn't make that bet again. <laughs> <laughs> I got to find a toddler who can wear a jersey and send it to him. It's a medium. All right. Tell us about the Cowboys Chiefs. Uh, all right. So this one. This one was an interesting one, right? Because you've got the Cowboys who have been surging as of late. And then their QB went out for a bit and then kind of came back and has been super rusty. But the Chiefs have kind of looked like dog shit for the last, like, seven weeks. Defensively, they haven't been playing great. Offensively, they've been struggling across the board. Uh, And here they come. Cowboys once again lay uh, just a dumpster fire of a game. I don't know if this is still 
Dak and some rust or what's going on here. Some, something is completely out of sync. Cowboys are now 7-3 and three, coming off of some brutal, brutal losses. But being a team that you half expected to come and like run away with the division, if not, you know, sort of stamp their way all the way to the Super Bowl pretty much early on. But they're two and two in the last four games. And they've been messy two and two games. They had a a blowout win against the Falcons, 43 to three. But then they lose to Kansas nine to nineteen. They lost to the Broncos sixteen to thirty. And they barely squeaked out a win against the Vikings. So this team is super unpredictable, but even more unpredictable than all of this is what the hell is going on with Kansas City. Suddenly their defense is looking solid. Like they're pretty much keeping these games together. Um, Mahomes still like a lot of people looking at this game and saying like, oh, this is the get right game. Not really. He was 23 of 37. Like, he was really close to, like, the 50% mark. He did have 260 yards, which means he was making some of them count. His longest was a 37-yard reception. Well, sorry, reception and and then some yards after the game. But he threw an interception. He had a fumble like that was turned over. Uh, He only rushed for a total of 11 yards in seven attempts. So, I mean, he's scrambling a lot. His offensive line isn't really allowing him the time to kind of get through it, but there's something still off. I think if this was any other team other than Dallas, who right now is still struggling to find their way, like Dak Dak Prescott was 28 of 43. He had 216 yards, but again, he's flirting very much with that 50% mark, and that's something we've been literally saying for the last two years, that if your quarterback is anywhere around the 50-yard line, it's almost like a guaranteed loss or not 50 yard line, sorry, 50% completion range. It's not, it's, it almost always ends poorly. He had two interceptions. He had two fumbles as well. So a sloppy game. He had a rating of 57.9 and everyone was, you know, when he comes back, this is going to be it. The, The Cowboys are back. I thought the Cowboys, a lot like the Bills were the team that we had to be worried about in, in terms of like Super Bowl contenders and champions. And like, they're quickly becoming a team that I really don't care about. Um, Chiefs, same boat. Patrick Mahomes, 71.9. That was his QBR rating on the day. Like That team perplexes me so much because I can't – I watch the game and I can't tell what it is, but my gut continues to say, like, there's something wrong with Patrick Mahomes right now. Like, Kelsey's dropping balls. Like, he dropped another major, like, important catch in this game, but something is off. I, I, can't, I can't figure it out. I don't think anyone can figure it out. In the beginning of the season, you could blame it on the defense with some struggles on the offensive side. The defense is now playing well. So, well, as Ish. of late, they've had a couple decent games. So let's not say they're playing well yet. They're stringing together a couple decent games, but you're going against the Cowboys team that's been struggling. So this matchup was incredibly strange to me. What's going on in Kansas City is even more strange. Um, I Next week, I still have no confidence picking Kansas City against anybody. But then they flash and could throw like 48 points against the team. So like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. And like listening to like normal sports talk radio, like nobody seems to understand what's going on right now with this team. It's the strangest 
strangest possible scenario in all of sports. You have an all-star team coming off some major wins and some like crushing seasons and they're struggling and you can't put your finger on it. And I think what it is, is Mahomes has either been figured out. I'm going to, I'm going to pause a little bit. I don't want to say that because he could make me look stupid next year or at the end of the season. (laughs) I think the team has adapted well to Mahomes play style and are planning against it. But like, it's, I think everyone's sort of hesitant to say, Patrick Mahomes is the problem here, right? Um, because he still puts up huge numbers because he makes these crazy plays and he finds some random open guy and he gets the ball to him, but he doesn't take care of the ball very well. He's still missing a lot, a lot of passes, like overthrows, underthrows, just off-balance throws. So, like, I, you know, I don't want to be one of the first to say it, but I think there's something going on with Mahomes right now, whether it's an injury that's not being disclosed something mental, something is not right offensively on that team. And unfortunately, nobody wants to say it's the offense, but I'm saying it. There's something wrong with the offense on that team. We blamed the defense in the beginning half of the season. That ain't it anymore, fam. There's something wrong with the offensive side, and it, uh, there's one guy driving that team. So, and It's Andy Reid. Yep, that's who it is. Yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'm officially on record right now. Patrick Mahomes is the reason they're losing football games for whatever reason, whatever reason. I don't know what it is. Whatever reason he's the reason they're losing football games right now. The most professional uh, way to say fuck around and find out is test that assumption at your earliest convenience. And that's what I'll say. Pick against the next week, Tim, see what happens. All right. Go ahead. We'll see. I I said, I might, I might, I, I might. I haven't seen the matchup yet, but we'll see what happens. All right. Sunday night football, Steelers, Chargers. I picked the Chargers. It's almost like the Steelers said, nah, we're going to take the night off from covering Austin Eckler. Because that's what they did. Uh, Two rushing, two receiving touchdowns. Literally, the Chargers just said, it's going to Austin Eckler. And the Steelers were like, we're fucking blind. We have no idea what this guy is capable of. Because, (laughs) oh my goodness, they didn't have an answer for it. But the Chargers decided to forget how to cover in the fourth quarter. Or maybe... Look, I'm not a I'm not a Tim Spiracyist here, but uh, maybe the betting, sure. right? The over under, maybe that was in question. Maybe they need to get the spread because they allowed the Steelers to rip off 27 points. Made this game a barn burner. Made this game a Sunday night football classic. One of the games of the year for sure. The Steelers would gift their gift wrap them a win though. This the Chargers because they left Mike Williams seemingly open for a blown coverage. Blown coverage, that's, yeah. That's 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 what I wrote. Right, but then I went back and watched the film. They got pressure, but Austin Eckler, who they couldn't stop all game, was like, "No, I'm not going to catch this one. I'm actually going to just blow up this defender as he tries to come in." And he did. He set a block, gave Herbert just enough time to get the ball over to the middle. The defensive back was not close enough to make a play on Mike Williams. Mike Williams, 53 yards, and the score just before the two minute warning. What a game! 41-37 Chargers. I was listening to a podcast earlier uh, from a bunch of sportscasters, and they left the game in the fourth quarter right before all that should happen. They're like, oh, my God, I, this is terrible. Like, I, We're those guys now uh, who have to talk about, like, I was there right before the game. took. I mean, this is a meaningless game. But this one was a strange one, too, because I actually saw a lot of this game, and it was Ben's best game so far of the season. It was. It was pretty great. Um, 
And Herbert played incredibly well. He had 382 yards in the game. It was just, it was one of those interesting games. It was like a slow burner until the last portion of the game. I, I, I don't even know how many points were scored in the fourth quarter, but it was, it was a lot. It was, oh, it was uh, at the beginning, at the end of the third quarter, it was 27-10, and it ended up 41-37. It yeah, was insane. Like turnover, it was a lot of, it was a lot of crazy stuff. But uh, all right, wrapping up the week, uh, we had the Giants Bucks uh, going into this one. I had said Brady the Bucks they played down to the level of their opponents. Obviously, the Giants have been struggling as of late, but I think they're a better team than what their record indicates. Uh, this was this was not one of those games. The Bucks uh, did everything they could to completely. You got the sirens behind me? No. They're going to get recorded, so now i got to start over again one more time. Damn, bro. There's literally a thousand other fire trucks or cop cars or something. Well, I hope that your house is on fire. No, no, we. So we're off the main street, so we're our house is quiet, except in the event there's something like that because the fire station is like right there in, in earshot of where mm-hmm. we are. So when like shit hits the fan, we hear a lot of it, but otherwise we don't hear, we don't hear shit on here. Okay. <clears throat> Again. All right. Wrapping up the week, uh, we got the Bucks and Giants. Uh, I've I've said you know a couple times. I think the Bucks tend to play towards the level of their opponent. I don't know if that's a Tom Brady trade, but seeing as it followed Tom Brady from New England to Tampa, you got to feel like it is. They've had a lot of closer games against opponents they should have blown out and they didn't or lost to those teams and the giants were one of those i was like oh they could fuck around and, and give this one up um however they didn't uh the team found a way to keep daniel jones in a, in a very manageable situation i think daniel jones is a pretty decent quarterback on a shitty team like this goes back to putting shoe polish on dog shit cool it looks good for a second but it's still dog shit at the end of the day the Giants are one of those teams, which is super frustrating because they have the market capital, they have the draw, they have everything they need to be a successful team. Uh, coaching, however, tends to be like the big question mark. Daniel Jones does sometimes get a little reckless with the ball. He threw two interceptions in this game. So, you know, he's not completely absolved of blame. He went 23 of 38. He had 167 yards, but he had two interceptions, a couple sacks. Tom Brady, however, uh, I thought was going to come out and play down to this game. Not so much. Not so much. 30 of 46, 307 yards, two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but it was another one of those, you know, call them those interceptions where, like, I don't think tipped (laughs) balls. I don't think uh, deflections. I don't think any of those. they, They need to come up with a classification for those if they don't just call them turnovers because. You know, that one's tough. But, I mean, he's made some bad some bad uh, turnovers so far this season. But you can always tell just by his body language when it's him versus someone else. Like, he has that look where, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> or, like, <laughs> you did it wrong. And anybody who has watched uh, Man in the Arena, if you haven't yet, uh, 
Tom Brady fan or not a Tom Brady fan, it's worth a watch because it's the Tom Brady you wish you had the entire time he was with the Patriots. Like, unleashed, talk about everything, uh, F-bombs all over the place. Like, it's what people have come to love. Well, we'll talk about that part in a second because I have, I, have, I have to ask you your opinion on that. But back to this game. Um, uh, I mean, Tampa's still playing pretty well, despite a lot of their major contributors still being a little bit banged up. Obviously, uh, Antonio Brown, who was injured, is now dealing with some off-the-field drama, so we don't know when that's going to come into play. Uh, Gronkowski was back in the game. He had six receptions for 71 yards. One, the longest was a 35, so you got his security blanket back. And he was back to dishing the ball out to a bunch of folks. Like, this was a, a, a receiving game. Like, there wasn't a lot of ground game other than as a form of, like, misdirection for the throwing game. You had uh, seven guys who were in double digits in receptions. Uh, uh, sorry, in yards for receptions. So, this is back to, like, what we were seeing before. As guys get healthy and come back. He's got a little bit more time in the pocket. He's gonna he's gonna destroy pretty much any team he goes up against. Like that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, unfortunately, going up against Daniel Jones, who isn't quite figuring it out yet, he's struggling. His team is not great. This is sort of what you're gonna expect. He also had six different receivers who were in double digits, so he's dishing the ball out well. He's just not able to convert when it matters. He's not able to score touchdowns. The Giants firing Garrett, their offensive coordinator. Might be a little bit of a change. Might be enough to kind of shake it up a little bit. Uh, some of it might be play calling. We'll have to see what happens. Tampa still remains an interesting team. I think they're a Super Bowl favorite, but they got to win. <clears throat> For some reason, I say they got to win like they're not winning games. But they they continue to play down against teams they should just blow out. This should have been a team they blow out 30-10. to 10. Seems like a blowout, but this game felt closer than it actually was. Um, but there's seven and three teams. There's not many of those left in the league. So uh, interesting game to match. I'm curious to see what happens with the Giants as they go forward with some new play calling on the offensive side. So maybe we see a turnaround. We might. All right, let's recap these picks. <clears throat> Total. 45 for Sam. 43 and a half. For Tim, because I got three correct this week and you got four. Don't call it a comeback, Tim. Don't call it a comeback. Well, All right, let's move back. into these next picks. Now, we talked about earlier, we got a Turkey Day triple header. Okay? Yes. Very excited about it. Very excited. Except I have the Bears-Lions with Tim Boyle and uh, Andy Dalton at 12.30 on Thursday, where most people yeah. will be sitting down to a Thanksgiving dinner. I'll be cooking the turkey, making some sides, Leaking into the living room, watching some football, drinking a beer, telling the dogs to shut the fuck up for like two seconds because they'll dude, be freaking out. Dude, do you not have an iPad? No, I do, but I mean, I don't want to waste my battery. Because you know? then I'll stay in the kitchen the entire time. You know what I mean? No, no, no I, I have an iPad. Why are you cooking? You put it on, you got the game going. Uh, yeah. I got one of those little Alexa or uh, Amazon Alexa dots. Mm-hmm. You can play video on that. So it'll be like, Alexa, just gonna turn it right now. Uh, <laughs> show me the game, and I'll watch a game here. And I got a game on my iPad, and I got one on my phone. All three mm. done. Boom. Interesting. I, I won't do that this time because I like to be focused in what I'm doing, either fucking off and not cooking or cooking. What you know what I mean? I, I can only be one of the things. I can't. I can't really do both. 
That being said, the Bears have to. The Bears and the Seahawks have the same record. This is insane to me. Uh, but Andy Dalton is starting. Matt Nagy says his job is not on the line, but let's be honest, it, it completely is. So I'm not picking against the Bears here. I'd love for the Lions to get a win on Thanksgiving because the Lions play every year on Thanksgiving, but mm-hmm. just I got to go smart here. Smart football says Bears. Uh, <clears throat> that was an interesting one. Sorry, I don't, keep to, I don't mean to keep segueing. I know we're trying to power through these because we got shit to do, but um, the fans were shouting fire Nagy going into this one. So, yeah, I'm actually, I think it's just going to fall apart. I think the Lions win that game. Oh, uh, wow. Anyway, uh, oh, I have an idea. We should pick one game we can bet on that's like a two for one. Every two week. Two for one for picks? Yeah, every week. Right, like cool. One game we can Let, bet on. You we'll, think we'll, You think we'll, about it. You we'll think about it. We'll next week. Picks. Yeah. Ooh, I like that, though. Like one game where like, okay, it's already on my list. If I get it, I get the one pick. Or if I get it right, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. But a two for one or there. If you we bet should... against me, I get the two. Oh, if that's you the game lose. you're choosing? Of all the games this week? That's no, uh, no, 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 no. I'm just throwing it out there as an idea. Let's I was gonna say see what people think about it. Do that. All right. Tell us about the anyway, Raiders Cowboys. Uh Raiders Cowboys. This is an interesting one because I would have not blinked and said Cowboys going into this game. But the Cowboys struggling as of late, the Raiders struggling as of late. It's kinda up in the air as to which one of these two teams is gonna figure their shit out. Um, this has just got to be a gut pick here, and I I feel like Sam strategically picks all these, so I'm gonna go Cowboys because I think the Cowboys have more upswing. The Raiders are due for a get right game, so they could potentially win this one. So it's gonna come down to how Dak plays this weekend. Um, I already don't like my pick, but I'm not gonna change it. <laughs> mm. But we'll see how these picks progress. And some somebody who's smarter than we are, go back and look at all the picks that Sam gave me and see oh what God. the. I don't know the, how many times I say this. I just, I literally down. just, I just copy paste off the NFL website and I just alternate the picks, right? So there's really nothing that I do. Sometimes well, yeah. you end up with the Monday Night Football picks. Sometimes I do. That's just the way it works. Some, right. Somebody smarter than us, go back and figure that out. Thanks. <laughs> Bill Saints is the Thursday Night Football game, which is held by the Sunday Night Football crew. Uh, Bill Saints, look, Saints just got blown out by a, a, a relatively inferior team in the Eagles. The Bills are on a bit of a skid, and now that they don't even control their own destiny in the division anymore because New England has a better record than them, they have to win this game. That's why I'm going Bills. Uh, I have Bucks, Colts, but something seems askew here. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 no. More because how, and I'm going to sound really stupid. I'm going to leave this in the podcast just because uh, I want you guys to know that we're actually not very smart sometimes, and I'm willing to to accept that. I'm just looking. One sec here. One sec. Oh, here it is. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. So it's just not updated yet. You have it listed here. As a six and three team against the six and five team, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. All right, well that's because I, I did the I did I did the rundown before the weekend. Before the weekend, all yeah, right. Yeah. I'm gonna leave this in the podcast. You guys get a little glimpse of what goes on in the back. It's like something <laughs> is there's some bullshittery going on here. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so the Colts have been playing uh, extremely well as of late. Like that's not super surprising. Um. And these teams actually match up 
really, really close. Where they differentiate is that the Buccaneers are first in the league in average yards per game uh, in terms of passing. Uh, they're on average 314 yards to 216. The Colts are, are 23rd in the league. However, rushing yards per game, it flip-flops where uh, the Buccaneers are 26th in the league and the Colts are 4th. So this is uh, this is going to be a game that's going to depend solely on who they have on the field uh, in terms of the receiving core. I have to go Buccaneers. I think Brady and Co. Uh, in situations against the team that allows a lot of passing yards is going to uh, really take advantage of that. Um, ah, man. I can see the Colts. I can see the Colts. You know, I'm not going to backtrack. Let's go box before I second guess this one. The Colts, it's going to be a close game. Uh, this one may come down to a field goal, but I, but I don't see Tampa uh, losing this many close games. Like They're going to eventually figure it out, but this one's going to be closer than I'm comfortable with. Well, you know, I hear your criticisms about these games that are hard to pick, but I have the Jets and the Texas, which are both 2-8. and eight. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to hear no fucking complaints about, oh, I don't know who I'm going to choose this one. I literally don't know who the fuck I'm going to choose this one because Zach Wilson is back. He's back, baby. But I'm going to go with the Texans here because Terod Taylor obviously has figured out something. Um, and you don't just put 22 points on a, a team like the Titans without learning some things along the way. And the Jets have been absolutely destroyed by teams, except common opponent, both of these teams beat the Titans. So both of these teams really could win the game. But I'm going to go Texans here. Okay. Okay. I I have another one. Like I'm I'm glad I'm aware of how well <laughs> these teams are doing because uh do you, do you see what I'm looking at right now? Yeah. You gave me the, the you haven't listed the Eagles are 5 and 6 and the Giants are Three and six. Like was this like a was this a projected guess? Because the Giants are three and seven. No. Look, this is this is what the NFL had at the time when I made the rundown. Okay. But one Uh, more game for a team that's well under five hundred is not gonna make you choose differently (laughs) against the fucking have you have you seen and heard the picks I've had to make over the last three weeks? Oh my god, here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, I'm thankful for your long winded rants and they're not mine. I know. Uh, (laughs) well, that's because we we've traded. Sam used to pontificate about all of his picks. He wrote his synopsis of uh, it was like a, it was like a movie trailer, but written down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, um, Eagles Giants. I think the Eagles are riding a little bit of a high that I think it's going to be really hard to bring them down from. The Giants are really struggling to kind of figure out where they're at. As we just mentioned, they fired their offensive coordinator. You never know if that's going to create a spark and enough of a difference to turn a team around. The records aren't that different. Five and six, three and seven, obviously relatively close. Uh, I think the Eagles and Hurts, they're playing with a little bit of extra passion right now for whatever reason. I think the Eagles are going to be a team uh, that's going to upset some folks going forward. They may, I, you know, at five and six, getting in the playoffs is a little bit of a stretch, but I think they're going to play some upsets in a lot of those. Uh, the Giants are a team that are probably going to rebound a little bit with some better coaching, but 
ultimately, I think the Eagles are going to be the better team. Boom. Let's go. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. I got Panthers. Dolphins. Yep. CMC. Cam. A, a team that wants to win against a defensive-minded squad. Both these teams will want to win this game, but to be honest, I got to go talent here, and the talent is more in the Panthers' favor winning this game. And I know, I know Cam was absolutely heated that, you know, he got the ball back, less than two minutes to go, and it came down to a fourth and five. He went out there. He tried to make it. They didn't convert. He was pissed. He wanted that to be that whole welcome back. I'm Cameron Jarrell. I'm a Superman. They've been handing the, the footballs, the kids in the crowd now. It's like 2015 all over again. The Panthers want to win this game. They have more talent. They have a little more heart. And that's why I think they're going to. Sam, are you going to complain about this pick? Because um, this is a pretty good pick, you know. I, I mean, I, I know you've got some bullshit ones like, oh, Bills or Jags. I don't know who I pick here. And the fucking football gods give you a hard one. But this is a fucking pretty good one, I think. Titans, Patriots. Who you got? Uh, Titans have been slipping as of late. I think you're starting to see the real world without Derrick Henry and what that looks like. The Patriots are starting to put it together, both defensively and offensively. So. Uh, for me, I got to go Patriots in this one. Oh, the homerism abides. I'm not even mad about it. No, nah, I don't even know if it's homerism. I think it's more, uh, I think you're starting to see what the Titans were expected to be in the absence of Derrick Henry. So strong possibility. All right. Steelers, Bengals got a hand to the Steelers. They kept it real interessante last week till the end, but they're going to need that fight this week. Um, because let's face it. You have gotten through an hour of this episode without paying your penance for the shit that you're supposed to do. Remember last episode when you said the Bengals weren't going to win? You said you're going to open this episode saying what, Tim? Saying what, Tim? Let Joey roar. Oh, hashtag let Joey roar. No, the Bengals. Hashtag let Joey roar. Hashtag let Joey roar. (laughs) Nick, (laughs) Sam, that's for you. Uh, Look, Steelers, Bengals. It's going to be a great divisional fight. That being said, I'm going to give it to the Bengals here because they won the first one, and I think that they're still the better team here. I think it's going to be close. Sorry, Dan, but uh, Bengals. Hashtag let Joey roar. Cool question. Uh, 20 of 29, 148 yards, one touchdown, and one fumble that was lost. Is that roaring, or like what do we classify that as? The, the parameters of the bet. Where if they win the game, <laughs> you, you fucking start the episode by saying, hashtag let Joey roar. And they did win the game. And I let you they get did. this far into the episode without saying it. All right. So Moving we'll, on. we'll let Joey roar uh, this coming week. Um, <clears throat> bold pick, though, with Ben coming off of his best game. They got yeah. a couple injuries and someone might be back game. next week. You know what I mean? I just don't think I don't think that they're going to string two back. But that was injury. That was some pretty aggressive defensive injuries that were out that. You know, that blown coverage might not, uh, might not happen. But anyway, Falcons, Jaguars, um, you know, I got a lot of faith in Matt Ryan. I think he's a good quarterback. I think the team just has a lot of uh, holes and gaps and areas that they uh, need some work on. However, I think they are a better team than, than Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. This could be a game where the Jaguars kind of fuck around and, and pull, up, pull one out of nowhere. Uh, but I don't have the confidence to pick them, so I'm going with Matty Ice. That'd be insane. All right, Chargers, Broncos. The AFC West, Tim, is weird this year. The teams lose when they should win and win in improbable ways when they should have lost. 
Kind of like how the Chargers went full send in the fourth quarter to keep a surging Steelers team at bay. I got to give the edge here to the Lightning Bolts. They have more weapons. They should win easily against Teddy Two Gloves. Hmm. Packers, Rams. Uh, man. Um, this is another. This is another tough one. Uh, the Rams tend to score more points per game on average. However, they also allow more points per game. Um, statistically, everything else is almost identical: passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, defensive allowed. Uh, I'm probably going to go Packers with this one. I think, uh, I think the Packers are going to piggyback off of a solid game this week. Uh, I know the passing defense for the Rams is a bit suspect. Um, rushing, they're pretty much comparable. I think if, if Rogers can come out and have a game like he had this week, um, it should be another pretty, pretty good win, but. Not one I'm totally confident on, but I'm gonna, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into it. Pack I will it. actually follow it up. Go with one pack, that, go. Okay, as here we go. I'm gonna follow it up with one that I don't really feel super comfortable with, and that's Vikings 49ers. Look, the Vikings have absolutely mm. turned it around since their early season stumbles. They have, and the 49ers have too, which makes this game tough. That being said, I think it's gonna be a killer game. I really do. I can't really pick against the Vikings because they've been in a lot of games. Plus, they just beat the Packers, who beat the Cardinals, who were at one point, one of the best teams in the NFL. And I can't really pick against the Niners because they seem to have found their footing. Really looking forward to this game. I'm going to lean Vikings here. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to lean Vikings. But if I'm wrong, dude, so be it. All right. Uh, <sighs> Ravens, Browns. I don't. I don't know how to make of this one because there's a lot of variables that are up in the air. Uh, first, Lamar Jackson is recovering from some illness they haven't fully disclosed. COVID stuff. So supposedly it's not. Uh, yeah, supposedly we are it's not, not COVID. We're not medical professionals. Yeah, this is not medical advice. Um, it's supposedly it's not COVID, but it's not the flu, and they thought he was better, and then he wasn't better. So, um. This one's a tough one. I don't really know what to make of it other than the fact that he may not be 100%. But Baker Mayfield, as we know, is not 100%. So one of them were like, eh, where will he, where will he not be? But Mayfield we know is banged up and is probably a little bit beat down mentally because of all of the press and everything else that's been going on um, in terms of whether or not they need to move on from him. So... Uh, this one's a tough one. My gut tells me the Browns, but I'm going to go Ravens because I think if Lamar comes and plays healthy, they're the better of the two teams. I'm not comfortable with this one, but I'm going against my gut. I'm going to go Ravens. As long as Lamar plays. I hate this. As long as Lamar plays, they'll, they'll take this one, but I'm not confident in that either. So. Let me finish this week out. Monday Night Football, Washington football team, Seattle Seahawks, in Landover Field. Tim, I'm going to be at this game. I'm going to be at this game. Mm -hmm. Shout out to my incredible wife. This is actually too close of a matchup for my liking, if I'm being fucking honest, okay? The Washington Mm -hmm. football team beat the presumed Super Bowl favorite. 
and Seattle beat the Colts. That was about the best win they've had all season. Uh, that being said, Seattle's on a skid, but it can't continue forever. All the rust has to be knocked off at some point, and rust we trust has to come together. The defense, everything's got to play a complete game. That being said, I think it's a dub here for the SFP, the Seattle football. And if this if Oof. this game is picked wrong and Seattle doesn't win, I'm not picking them for the rest of the year. I, I'm just gonna yeah. go on record and just fucking say it. So right, fair enough. They should win it because their their rest of the schedule is against the Bears and the fucking Lions and easy win games. They're probably a long mm-hmm. shot from the playoffs. I went through my five stages of grief earlier. Tim, what is the pick you want to go? Double or nothing. So if you get it right, you get two picks. But if you get it wrong, nada. Hmm. Wait, like of our own picks, or do you mean of any of them on the board? Any of the picks that we set for this one. So here's how I think it should work. Instead of picking our own picks and going double or nothing, I feel like we should you have one, one where I pick one of yours and you okay. pick one of mine. And if Facts, I get it. it, if I get it, I get two points. Okay. Or no, no, no. Here's how it should be. If I get it, you uh, I get a point. But if you get it, you get two points. Okay. Because you've established your pick. So it's basically like, okay, this is where I'm at. And if I don't like it, I get that pick and you get nothing. Hmm. Yep. But if Down. you get it, if you get it, you get two points. You get two an extra point. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I don't know if I will, um I don't know if you have one that I uh you know what? I'll take the Steelers Bengals game. Okay. All right, all right. Bang coming off his best game with a couple injuries. A couple of those guys might be coming back. All right, but, all right, all right. Let's see here. I'm gonna go same thing. Titans, Patriots. Okay. I think the Patriots are going to lose. All right. I really do. Because the last time that these two teams played, right, what happened in the playoffs? Pick six, ended Tom Brady's career in New England. It's a similar team. Same coach still there. That whole weird, uh, when there's five minutes left on the clock, you can get fake punts and just continue to back up and back up and back up. Um, The rule book fuckery that goes on between Mike Vrabel and his former mentor and coach. That's Mm -hmm. what I think. So. That's, that, not, that, bad. that's, that's not a bad one. That's no, not a bad I don't one. think so at all. I don't think so at all. all. Right. That will do it for this week's episode. Hold on, real quick. Here. The one thing I need your take on, God because it. it came up earlier. No, no, very <laughs> quick. We've only got 10 minutes left of recording time, so we're almost out of time anyway. Um, do you think, and you, you may not have seen it yet, but you have the Tom Brady of now, who is sort of open and out, and like people love him. Do you think he's the same Tom Brady that we have now without the discipline that came from being as part of a Patriot? Or is this something that has been repressed the entire time would have come out anyway? Cause like people, um, he's like, he's like a, he's like a Manning brother now. Like people love the Tom Brady that we see cause he's open and he's like honest and he swears. He's no longer all these things. Patriot, right. Right. There, but there do you think if big... he didn't have that growth, would he have been insufferable if he had the same approach in the beginning? Well, I, I'll tell you from my own personal perspective, I grew up in a, a rather regimented uh, household, right? You know what I mean? So I, I discipline was one of, one of my key characteristics. Helped me in the military, helped me in, in a lot of jobs. Didn't help me as a, as a, as a personal 
things. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to be disciplined for all these things. It's fucking important to get my parents off my back. But I give a fuck about any of this other stuff. So, you know what I mean? Like, now, I guess you could say I'm sort of a cool dude. But, like, Brady has always been one of those guys who's been very uptight. Very, very, you know, don't take shots at me. But, you know, I'm so... I was always overlooked. I'm 199. I'm a six-time Super Bowl champion. I'm still overlooked. All this shit. And as I'm listening to this book by Seth Wickersham, It's Better to Be Feared uh, on Audible, one thing I'm just finding is that Brady really wanted to to do what he's doing now. He wanted to do this shit like five years ago. Yeah. He he never had a chance to do it. So would he be the same now or would he have broken out then? I don't know. I don't think Belichick ever would have walked away from being Belichick. So I don't think but, I don't think it would have happened. I think that but what I mean the is, best version of Tom Brady now. Yeah, but what I mean is like that happens for a lot of folks. Like Peyton Manning was always sort of this goof guy, but didn't really flourish into the social butterfly until he was out of the league. You're seeing a little bit of this sort of like over honesty from Aaron Rodgers for the last few years, and people actually despise it. I, I think he's become more a bit of a like a, a douche almost. But um I wonder, I can't help but wonder if Tom Brady in his career if this was the approach and attitude that he has taken uh, like early on in his career, if he would have just kind of been like the Baker Mayfield, where you're like, all right, win more before you star in like a hundred commercials. He had already won a couple Super Bowls, but like five years ago, he was still a couple Super Bowls shy away from where he is now. So like, I think one of the big things to, to note here, though, is that everyone is trying to maximize their amount of money and their range and their brand as soon as they get yeah. on, as soon as they have a modicum of success. People forget that Brady was known, right? But like on Brady's third Super Bowl, people were like, oh, fuck, this dude is the thing. And then 10 years goes by, they don't win another Super Bowl. And then he goes and wins another three. And everyone's like, holy shit, this is this guy. Well, you gotta, well no, no, you got to watch uh, Man in the Arena because uh, off of their first Super Bowl win, he was like immediately getting invites to like all of these crazy things. So he went from a, a nobody because he was picked so late in the draft yeah, I know. to like, I heard, I heard the book. like thrust into the spotlight. And I think for me, part of like the allure and the appreciation from Brady is the fact that he went as long as he did without being in the public spotlight. Well, he was in the public spotlight because he was winning, but not in the ways he's in socially the way that he is now. Um, and I think. If this had come earlier in his career, I mean, everyone's going to find a reason to hate on the guy. But I feel like if this had come earlier in his career, it would have been held against him. It's like uh, arrogant, like everyone yeah. thinks he's arrogant anyway, even though the man has never done anything. I think, in my opinion, that like, what, can you give me an example? Spygate, the flank gate. That was th- those are him. Those are no, him? no, it's more, it's more so, the team. But so, Spygate, Spygate, again, we've talked about this before, was filming from a previously approved location that that year was no longer approved. So, like, yeah, that sucks. That's against the rules. You should have known the rules, but that's what that is. Uh, Spygate has some question marks, but ultimately he was not the guy holding the footballs. And, like, everybody in the league has come out to say, like, that level of pressure is not enough to really make a difference and Aaron Rodgers came out so far as to say he likes to push the envelope on either side did. and let yeah, them, yeah. and let them get caught like let someone else find it so like it's just i don't know it it smacked to me of a team that consistently loses against the Patriots looking for a reason so the moment they felt something strange they ran over to an official to like show it to them it just seems strange it's like looking for a reason when Suddenly, you know what the memo was that went out to everybody across the league? 
hey, 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 don't, don't, don't under pressure them and don't over pressure them anymore. Keep them like within limits. Cause that shit had to have been going on everywhere. It's just when you have that level of success for that long, people and are constantly looking for yeah. reason. Yeah. Like you, you live underneath a microscope. And that's the reason I have a hard time believing that they were trying to cheat on purpose because you live on, when you have that level of success for that long, you live underneath a different microscope than everybody else. Like everything is called into question. Right. Yeah. Plus, so you, you got to hand it to the fact that like the amount of chemistry and the way they're able to keep the band together for as long as they did. Um, yeah. The only thing that would be better is if Brady doesn't win the Super Bowl this year and it goes back to New England and then wins one. I mean, but they know last dance things happen there. No, but, it's not going to happen because Mac Jones is obviously a better quarterback than Tom Brady all of a sudden, right? He's going to be winning 33 Super Bowls. You know, he's going to play for 58 years and that's going to be what it is. He's going to be the greatest player of all time. Tom who? Mac Jones, who? Mac Jones, Jones. Jesus Christ. All right, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanks Thanksgiving. For out. We appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Very thankful for you. Peace. Peace.